0: Nightmare
1: Town. Hello, neighbors, and welcome back to Nightmare Town. We are Betty Boom, and I'm Mandemonium. And this week we are doing
0: Abraham sent in by Casper.
1: So, which I don't think I told you this last time, but Casper is actually Theo's best friend.
0: Oh, I did not know that.
1: Well, so, uh, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> uh, they actually sent in several. So we might be getting some more from him. From him.
0: Hey, that's great. We're always Dang wanting it. stories for the hat, so.
1: But that is very true. Um, we'll do a plug for that later, but just saying, if you have stories, hit us up.
0: <laughs> we want to hear them. And we need ideas for our hat.
1: I am very hyper right now. <laughs> <laughs> but we are just going to be jumping into the episode and we'll do some chit-chat stuff later. But it is my turn to start. And I'm very excited because Manda and I have already talked and we are not covering the same thing.
0: So we're good there. We're in the clear.
1: <laughs> um, so I want to talk about the Bible.
0: Uh, I got to go, <laughs> I'm <laughs> you really <don't> busy. Wanna...
1: <laughs> You don't want to hear about Abraham and Sarah and how they had a child whenever they were very old. And then Abraham was all like, hey, God, this is my son. And then God was like, that's cool. You should sacrifice him to me. And then Abraham was like, "Okay," and took his child up on his son, Isaac, up onto the top of a mountain and then was totally prepared to, like, stab him in the heart. And then God was like, I'm just kidding. Here's a goat.
0: Well, that was an interesting story,
1: (laughs) by the way. Don't know if I have told you guys this before. But yours truly used to be a Sunday school teacher.
0: Ah, I used to volunteer in the Sunday school daycare.
1: <laughs> yeah, I got paid to do it Um, for three and a half years. People brought me their children to teach them about Jesus. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> With my, you know, flamboyant hair, visible tattoos, and infinity to say fuck, but not in front of their children. Miss Betty likes to say fudge instead. Yes. But I'm just kidding. That's not the story I want to talk about. (laughs) I just had to throw it in there. So, Amanda, I have a question for you. Okay. What would you do if you won $30 million from the lottery?
0: I'm going on vacation, and I'm getting a small house in the woods.
1: (laughs) Very good really good decisions
0: that's that's what I'm doing
1: I think if I won 30 million first I would not do the lump sum I would actually spread it out because I don't want that much money all at once uh, because did you know that like I think it's 70% of lottery winners lose all of their money within the first five years
0: Uh yeah I think I've heard that before
1: so I um, definitely would want to spread it out. I think I would buy Theo a car that doesn't keep breaking down. My car is already paid for, so I don't have to worry about that. I think I would buy a house, and the rest of it would go into savings. I might buy my parents something.
0: Oh yeah, felt to mention Fam, if you're listening. I would totally help you out as well.
1: Yeah, but I think I would but have that's to understood. Like, I think I would have to be like, I would have to be a straight up bitch about things because people would just come out of the woodwork being like, can I have this? And I'd be like, no.
0: Hey, I'm your fifth cousin that you've never met. Could you help me out?
1: Uh, I have met most of my fifth cousins and are actually very close to them.
0: Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) The Boom family is large and close. (laughs) But in Lakeland, Florida in 2006, a man by the name of Abraham Shakespeare got to answer this very question. At the time, Abraham was working as a delivery truck assistant. He and his co-worker Michael Ford were on their lunch break somewhere near Miami when they pulled into a convenience store and Michael asked if Abraham wanted a soda. Abe handed him five dollars and then asked him to get him a two dollar lottery ticket. He later gave the remaining three dollars to a homeless person. Later that night, Ape was at home watching TV when the drawing for the lottery came on, and he watched as number after number matched up with his ticket. His numbers were 6, 12, 13, 42, and 52. He had just won $30 million.
0: Well, with a name like that, I would expect him to win something.
1: It is such a ball of name. Abraham Shakespeare was 40 years old when he won the lottery. He had dropped out of school sometime during middle school. He was illiterate. He had been convicted of a few break-ins and had spent some time in jail. He worked many labor jobs. He was very close to his family, including his mother. He had moved back in with his mom to help take care of her after his father had died. He had a child with an ex-girlfriend and was reported to be a loving and caring father. And after winning the lottery, Abraham chose to take the lump sum payment of $17 million rather than the whole $30 million a little bit at a time. Abe chose to buy himself a few nice things, uh, a three, a $1.3 million home in a gated community in North Lakeland, a new car, a shiny used Rolex that he purchased from a pawn shop because that was just the kind of person he was. He said in an interview that he was a simple guy and he wasn't going to let the money change that. He wasn't going to spend a bunch of money and he wasn't going to spend more than $7 on a meal at Denny's. If he had left it at just that, he would have been set for life, but Abe had a big heart and wanted to help his community. He paid people's rents, paid for funerals, medical expenses. He bought 10 homes that were about to go into foreclosure and told the people to pay him back what they could, when they could. He gave his ex-stepfather a million dollars flat out. He just wrote him a check. He also offered to buy his mama house, but she refused, saying that she didn't want any part of that devil money and pointed out that even if she took him up on the offer, she wouldn't be able to pay the taxes on it. Mm. He gave out loans to people, but this proved to be a burden to Abe because people were all too happy to take his money, but when it came time to pay him back, they were more reluctant. Abe hated having to track people down, and most of the time he would tell people just to forget about it and said that the money was a gift. And though this was a nice gesture, it took its toll. In just a year and a half, Abe's $17 million had been dwindled down to $1.5 million, Wow. Which, granted, is a still a lot of money. Yeah, but... <laughs> but nowhere near what he started with. So, we'll come back to Abe, but for now I want to talk about one of his friends, who did take a loan from him, but still seemed to be a stand-up guy. Greg Smith owned and operated a local barber shop. He had met Abe when he was still down on his luck, working whatever odd jobs he could to put a little money in his pocket. One day, Abe had wandered into Greg's shop and asked if he had anything he needed done. Greg let him sweep up hair and fix a few things, and after a while, the two became really good friends. After Abe won the lottery, he still came by the shop to hang out, and Greg... Didn't like how everyone was coming out of the woodwork to borrow money and take advantage of his kind-hearted friend by not paying him back. But one day, Greg found himself in a tight spot. See, his mother had passed, and he and his siblings had wanted to keep her house in the family. The land it was built on had belonged to their grandfather, and was, um, had belonged to their grandfather, one of the first African American men to own property in the area, and it was a really big deal. Greg and his family were still paying the mortgage on the house and had hit hard times and were having trouble paying for the house as well as pay their own bills. Abe walked into the shop one day to see Greg poring over loan papers, and when, he, and when his friend told him what was going on, he left, went to the bank, and returned with a cashier's check for $63,000. The two men made an agreement that Greg would pay Abe $540 a month. Greg wanted to prove to his friend that he wasn't like the other moochers that Abe was having to deal with, so he made it a point to not only pay on time every month, but also pay more than they agreed on. Things continued like this for a while, with Abe still coming to hang out at the shop, until one day in April of 2009, Abe brought a woman to the shop that Greg had never met before. Abe introduced his new friend, Doris, which is spelled Du-rice, but it's Doris. Uh, D.D. Moore, to Greg and told him that she was helping him with his money. This was the last time Greg ever saw his friend alive. Oh. Surprise, we're talking true crime.
0: (laughs) I was wondering when the spookiness was going to come in here. I knew it was somewhere.
1: Yeah. So I want to talk about Rice, And I'm specifically saying her name wrong because fuck her.
0: She a bitch.
1: She is a bitch, and she goes by Dee Dee, so I guess I will call her Dee Dee instead of Do-Rice the whole time. So I guess I should jump into where I got my sources from this week. I actually got a lot of my sources from, or a lot of the story that I'm telling you from another podcast called True Crime Campfire, which is pretty ballin'. I really enjoyed listening to them. But they have an episode called Bad Luck, The Murder of Abraham Shakespeare. It's two parts. I also got it from Wik- Wikipedia. I got it from Murderpedia. And I got it from DanaCapri dot com.
0: Okay, but what's Murderpedia?
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, have we never talked about murderpedia? I have
0: not heard of murderpedia. Is this just like the Wikipedia of true crime?
1: Fuck yeah For it is. Murders?
0: that's amazing it's,
1: it's literally just a wikipedia of murders huh and they have it broken down by male murderers and female murderers and then uh indexed by name and you could just go through an a b c d you know alphabetical so it's kind of ballin you guys should definitely check it out <laughs> but so let's talk about Dee. Dee. let's talk about her fuck this bitch Um, this is obviously the part that I stopped writing on because I'm pretty sure I have ADHD. That's just not, you know, I ran out of spoons while I was typing things, but I've been listening and reading and watching things a lot. Oh, also on YouTube, you can watch the 2020 episode where they go and talk to Dee Dee and again, fuck this bitch. But, um, when Dee Dee was young, like middle school and high school. She came from a working class family, and that apparently was not very good for her. Um, She didn't like that her family didn't have large fancy things, um, to the point where she would have her mom drop her off a block away from school because she was embarrassed of her friends to see their perfectly good working vehicle. Wow. But because it wasn't nice, she didn't want them to see it.
0: So she was superficial from the get-go.
1: Oh fuck yes, yeah, she was. Um after high school she went and got a degree as a nurse's assistant and she worked in she worked in that field and she was apparently really good at it. Um she specialized with people with developmental disabilities. And apparently was also very good at it. She had a lot of accommodations. Um, people liked her. They said that she was compassionate. She was oh. good with the clients. Um, and because of this, she... So because of this, one of her her bosses, or one of her managers there, who was named Karen, she had a manager named Karen. Of
0: course she did.
1: Just saying. wonder
0: what her hair looked like
1: it's one of those like what what does a karen do when she is the man who does she talk to yeah
0: yeah does she talk to herself she just yells at herself in the mirror <laughs> i'm so disappointed
1: uh, i want to speak to your manager i am the manager
0: she just turns around in a circle
1: <laughs> well hello but her manager really liked her work ethic and the two of them started selling prepaid cell phones and cell phone plans um, Dee Dee did this for a little while until she convinced her bosses at the the healthcare facility that she was working at to open a new branch at, oh shit, where was that place? They they opened a new branch at a different location in Florida, with Dee Dee being the boss. And this was okay for a little bit, until they started noticing that there was a lot of money going missing from this specific area they audited the books and they found out that Dee, Dee was basically she was going and she was paying her employees for more than what they were doing and then those employees would go and cash the check and then they would split the difference
0: Ooh.
1: um so they started to press charges for this i think she had embezzled about sixty-four thousand dollars. yikes um so they went to go take her to court for this and miraculously, the, like, the building caught on fire. So, but Dee Dee had ordered that all of the big expensive equipment be moved to a different office shortly before this fire happened. And the only thing they lost was some insignificant paperwork. Mm. Like payroll. Mm. Mm. What a so shame. So they settled, yeah, they settled out of court for about $24,000 instead of the sixty four. But people that were close to Dee actually said that she never paid that back. So um, around this time, Dee, Dee and her husband, uh, they had gotten married shortly after she had graduated from the nursing assistant program. And they had a son named RJ. Uh, they were living in a trailer. And they had kind of been having trouble paying rent. And whenever her landlords came and were like, hey, where's the rent? she broke down crying and spun a tale about how she was being stopped, and she couldn't believe it, and she actually went outside one day, and there was a sign on her front porch, and it was on fire, and it said, warning, and, yeah, they got evicted. Uh. <laughs> so. <laughs> and one of the places I, I was reading, they said that the landlords were her in-laws. So... Um, but yeah, that happened. Also around this time, Dee Dee decided that she was going to buy herself a Lincoln Navigator, which is a like $50,000 car. I might be saying that wrong, but it's a really expensive car. And of course, after a while, she started defaulting on those payments. And they called and they're like, hey, we're going to repo your car. And she had told them, I'm going to do whatever I have to, to keep this car. And about six days later, there was a man that was driving on a back road in Florida when he came across a hysterical woman who was half naked and her wrists were uh, taped. So he picked her up, took her to the police station. It was Dee Dee, surprise. Mm. And she told the police that she had been carjacked by two Hispanic men as well as sexually assaulted. Um, every time the police tried to question her more about this, she would become even more hysterical. She started dry heaving and saying that she just couldn't talk about it anymore. And because the police didn't want to traumatize a victim anymore, they dropped it. Hmm. Um, so this story actually blew up to the point where it was on the news And about five days after this, a man called the police station and he was like, so I have something I need to tell you guys because that Lincoln Navigator is in my garage. His friend had asked him to put it in his garage for his friend, which is a woman that he had worked with that said that she was, um, that someone had accused her of embezzling. And to get back at this person, she... Basically, wanted to frame them for her car getting stolen, and ruin their lives like they had ruined hers. So you would think that filing a false, re- like police report, and faking a carjacking and sexual assault would, you know, result in jail time, right?
0: You would think, but that's not what happened, right?
1: She got a year of probation. Oh my gosh! So. This woman was caught embezzling, she was caught lying to the cops, she was also caught writing bad checks, and all she kept getting was probation, so this bitch was bulletproof. <laughs> um, so yeah, she was a con artist, and a very bold one at that. Uh, she was also probably a psychopath, because the whole, like, her getting carjacked there was a guy that was driving her in the car and he said that she taped her own wrists and then told him to slow down before jumping out of the car so she would be scuffed up. Wow. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a lot. It's a lot. I yeah. went, through a, <laughs> went through a lot of things. There's a lot of YouTube videos. I went down so many rabbit holes. <laughs> So, years go by. Dee Dee winds up at a financial conference that was being uh, held, or there was a woman named Barbara that um, that, that was speaking at this conference, and Dee Dee showed up to the conference in a wheelchair, stating that she had been in a very bad accident and that it hurt her to walk. Oh, man. And then Barbara got up and she talked about, she was a real estate agent. And she talked about this man that she had met in Florida and how it was a rags-to-riches story because he had won the lottery and decided to go buy a house. And then he was doing all of this great philanthropy work for his community. Like, he was paying off rents. He was buying people's foreclosed houses and letting them stay in it. And it was just amazing. And afterwards, Dee Dee went up to Barbara and was like, I just have to meet this man, like this incredible man and, you know, I'm I want to write a book about him. Yeah. So, so uh, Barbara didn't know Dee Dee very well and she thought that this would be a good idea and that, you know, people needed to know more about Abraham Shakespeare. So she introduced them. It was about a week later and they went to go have lunch with her and she was so surprised whenever Didi walked through the door in high-spiked heels. Mm. And whenever they asked her, how did you recover so well? She responded with scuba therapy.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> yes. Scuba therapy. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so she and Abraham met and they became friends. And, you know, she would jot down notes while they were just talking and after a while she told him about how she was this amazing businesswoman and how oh around this time she had also opened her own um medical staffing agency mm-hmm. um which was doing well. It was a thing. Um but you know she was like, yeah no I'm a businesswoman and I have all this stuff going on and the thing that Abe liked about her was that she didn't ask him for money. So, which was what everyone had been doing at that time. Yeah. So they became friends and they started hanging out. And then um, he apparently asked her to help him with her his finances because, you know, Abe was illiterate. He was not good at reading. He was not good at writing. He didn't write. Um, and he wasn't good at math. Oh, no. So after a short while... Abe had pretty much signed over all of his assets to Dee Dee and her company had actually bought a, or had taken over a bunch of his loans, including the one for Greg Smith. So um, January 9th, 2009, the ownership of Shakespeare's home is transferred to a American Medical Professionals, which is Moore's company. Um, also in 2009, his home and other properties are sold or assigned to American uh, medical professionals, and they also start uh, they also start Abraham Shakespeare LLC, which is basically just you know where he can go and do what he wants to. Yeah. So in March of two thousand nine, Dee buys a two thousand nine Hummer, and it's assumed it's by. Abe's money and then in April 2009 like I said Greg Smith is the last person to see Abraham alive so he's the last person to see Abraham alive um, you know he went in to introduce DD Dee Dee to him be like hey she's gonna take over your loan and then you're just gonna have to pay her from now on I just wanted you to do that introduction so the next month rolls around and And D.D. calls Greg and is like, hey, I'm going to come pick up your money for the loan. He's like, okay. So she comes over, he goes to hand her the check, and she doesn't give him a receipt, which Abe always gave him a receipt. So he was like, hey, can I get that? And she goes, oh, I'll bring it by tomorrow. Greg doesn't hear from her again until the next month. And he was like, you know, I haven't seen Abe. And he she was like, oh, Abe's on a cruise. He's having a blast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm here to get the check. And uh, Greg refuses to give her the money until he gets a receipt for that payment and the one before that. Good on Greg. Yeah. So she tries to convince him to give her the money. He doesn't do it. She finally writes him a receipt for both payments. So she pays him for both. Or uh, she gives him a receipt for both. And then... Um, a few, like a few weeks later, he gets a letter saying that they're foreclosing on his mother's house for lack of payment. So Greg is freaking out because he was like, no, I've paid it. She knows I've paid it. I handed it to her. He was like, I've always paid my loan. He he was like, and I've always paid more than what I was supposed to. Yeah. So he tries calling Dee Dee. Can't get a hold of her. So he was like, okay, I'm going to call Abe. So he starts calling Abe. Can't get a hold of him because he's on a cruise.
0: Hmm.
1: Quotations. Special cruise. Yeah. So he starts trying to call around, see if anybody's talked to Abe. And he calls this lady Judy. Judy or Judith? We're just going to say Judy. Okay. So he calls this lady Judy who, like, who Abe used to hang out with at clubs because, you know, he had all this money. So he's just going to clubs and hanging out and judy was a party girl and but she after abe won the lottery she kind of became like an errand girl for him like she'd go and get stuff for him and do whatever um so judy was like oh yeah no abe's off his cruise he's in texas yeah i saw him the other day he's having a great time and then greg finds out that shortly before abe left for his cruise he signed over power of attorney To Judy. Oh no, the party girl, Judy. And like power of attorney, that's something that you would sign over to like your spouse.
0: Yeah. Or children or your parents. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Not a party girl.
0: Super sketch. Not just some like yeah, kind of rando.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So he was like, okay, that's freaking weird, but he doesn't have time to think about that because his mom's house is being foreclosed on. Judy tells him not to worry about it. She's going to call Dee Dee. Dee Dee will call him back and, you know, they'll sort everything out. She knows it's a mistake. So he waits, never hears from Dee Dee, doesn't hear from Abe, doesn't hear from Judith. And then a couple days later, he finally hears from Judith and she was like, hey, talk to Dee Dee. Everything's going to be okay. How about you go and meet? With me, Dee Dee, and Dee Dee's much younger boyfriend. uh, His... What was his name? It was, like, Cher. Char. It was Char. So... And I mean, like, much younger boyfriend. Whom she had left her husband for.
0: Mm.
1: Um, And he was pretty. I get it. Like, he cute, but... (laughs) I don't know. This was her boy toy. Like, he didn't work... She showered him with gifts, and it was, yeah, no. It was interesting, but I don't really care about that part of the story. So, they're supposed to go meet at this Hard Rock Casino. Greg gets there, nobody shows up. So he calls Judy again, and he was like, what the fuck? And she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, we had an emergency. We had to take Abe to the hospital.
0: Oh.
1: <laughs> Abe who was on in Texas or on a cruise. Yeah. And he was like, "What are you talking about? What's going on?" And she said that Abe had gotten into an altercation with a an underage sex worker and she had cut his arm. First off, Abe had never been known to pay for sex. No. <laughs> and secondly, he wouldn't be doing it with an underage sex worker.
0: Yeah, he was like a stand-up dude, like an yeah. actual, like, actual nice guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, and not only that, he had an on-again, off-again girlfriend named Tori, um, who he had actually had an, a second child with. He has two two sons by this point, um, that he had set up like a trust fund for as well. So, yeah, it was just weird, and he was like, oh, okay. So a couple days later, Dee Dee shows up at his shop with the papers and being like, so sorry. It was a mistake. Everything's fine now. Can you sign this? And he was like, well, I want my lawyer to look at it. And she didn't really like that idea, but he wasn't backing down. So she was like, okay, fine. So she leaves. And then the next day, she shows up in her giant ass Hummer. And he grabs the paper, goes outside to go have her, you know, he was done with it. And as soon as he walks up to the, the door, he can tell that she's been crying. Which, again, this bitch cries on a dime and judy's with her and she was like do you mind getting in the car hmm. you never go with no <laughs> you never go to a second location
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah what's wrong with where we're at right now
1: <laughs> it's like, no, we're fine so he gets in the car despite feeling wiggy like wiggy about it they wind up in a home depot parking lot and then Dee, Dee breaks down crying and says all of these people think that I have done something to Abe, and I haven't. And he was like, what the fuck is going
0: on? He's like, what's wrong with Abe?
1: What? Because by this point, all he knew was that his friend was on a cruise. Or he might have been hurt. He wasn't...
0: Eh. He was somewhere doing something.
1: <laughs> yeah. So he was like, oh, no, Dee Dee, no one thinks you did something to Abe. Everything's fine. So they take him back to the barbershop. <laughs> and everything seems okay. And then Gre- Greg starts getting text messages from Abe. Saying that, you know, he's fine. He's having a great time. He hopes everything gets settled. Mm. Um, he starts getting text messages from his illiterate friend.
0: Ah uh, snap. Who has never that. written
1: a text in his life.
0: Yeah. And not
1: only is he getting text messages, but they're well-written text messages.
0: Definitely not from him.
1: Mm, That's what we would think. But that's because I also listen to a lot of true crap. (laughs) It's like, he's dead. (laughs) But the next time he sees Dee Dee... Dee Dee tells him that, oh, he has a new lady friend, and he's on another cruise, and she's writing the text messages for him. By the way, did you know that Abe is taking literacy classes, and he's doing super awesome at them? Okay. (laughs) Mm. Rectify that little thing, right? Yeah. So this continues on, and by this point, Abe's mom is like, where the fuck is my son? What is going on? Because, again, he was really close to his mom. And then out of nowhere, he's just not showing up anymore. Yeah. He's not calling her. She's not hearing from him. Um, so one day, her nephew, Cedric, shows up with a birthday card for her and a small cross necklace. And the card has $100 in it. And it's like, Mom, I'll be back soon. Love, Abe. Uh, and she was like, it looked like his handwriting, but not really. Hmm. So... Um, and then Dee Dee goes back over to Greg and she was, has another breakdown and starts crying and talking about how everyone thinks that she did something to Abe and that Abe's mom is really upset and that they just need to make her feel better. So she was willing to pay Greg $300 to call Abe's mom and tell her that he was Abe and that he was fine. Uh... (laughs) So by this point, Greg doesn't think anything has happened to his friend and that everything's okay. So he agrees to do it, because 300 bucks is 300 bucks, you know? Yeah. So she tells him that she's going to take Abe's mom to Cracker Barrel. And he was to call her from a payphone and try to disguise his voice and sound like Abe. So she takes her to Cracker Barrel. Greg calls her and does what she asks. And... Um, the next day, Dee Dee's like, oh my gosh, you did such a good job. She thought it was you, or thought it was Abe, and oh my gosh, she believed it. So she hands Greg the money, and then Greg starts to leave to go home. And around this time, the cops pull Greg over and swarm his car. Because Abe's mom did not fucking believe that that was her son. And was like, no. Something has happened. So they tell Greg they think that Abe is dead and that Dee Dee had something to do with it. And Greg's like, she probably fucking did. Let me help you. So they want to wire Greg. Because by this point, Dee Dee's opening up to him. She's like, no, this is my friend. Like, we have this business arrangement. Yeah. He's going to do what I want him to.
0: The good guy Greg.
1: (laughs) Good guy Greg. So Greg... he knows that, like, Dee Dee's getting suspicious by this point. Like, she keeps saying that everybody thinks that she did something to Abe. So he's not going to be able to wear a wire. So instead, he was like, hey, I drink Red Bull all the time. And he takes a Red Bull and he, like, took off the very top of it and put the listening device inside of it and, um, like, a couple other things and, like, put the top back on. You couldn't tell it at all. And so whenever he'd meet her, he'd have his can of Red Bull and he would pretend to take drinks out of it or yeah. he would like ash into it with a cigarette. And he got everything. Like she started talking about how, you know, Abe was dead, but no, there was this drug dealer and he got into drugs and he was doing this and that and the other and like stuff that he wouldn't have done. Yeah. Um, I think at one point one of the stories that she was telling people was that he was in Jamaica getting treatment for AIDS. That... He had gotten arrested in Las Vegas for choking a stripper. Huh. Like, was trying to defame him. Just,
0: like, wildly out-of-character things for him.
1: So she was throwing all of these stories at the wall, just trying to see what would stick. And then the cops started questioning her. And then she went back over to Greg, who was like, hey, this is what's going on. And, you know, you know, Abe got in with the mob. And I can't turn in the mob. And by this point, she had basically admitted that Abe was dead. And Greg was like, Well, yeah, no, you can't turn in the mob, so what are we gonna do? And she's like, Well, you know, if you could find someone to to take the fall, I could pay them
0: $50,000.
1: And by this point, Bitch had her, her very young boyfriend and her teenage child living in Abe's house.
0: The audacity.
1: And all of Abe's assets were under her name. So that would have been Abe's $50,000. So the cops and Greg set it up to where they're going to have an undercover cop go in as this guy that's about to go away for like 25 years and he's going to take the fall for, Greg, or for Abe's murder. So they make a meeting. The undercover cop and Greg and Dee Dee meet. And he basically is like, okay, well, you know, if I'm going to say that I did this, I have to know all the details to it. So she tells him about how Abe was shot twice in the chest. She has the gun that Abe was shot with. And tells him exactly where the body is. So the next day, the cops go to Dee Dee's house, and they find Abe's body, six feet under the ground, covered in lye. And, like on top of all of it, was a giant cement slab that Dee Dee had convinced her ex-husband to help put down, because she wanted to make a basketball court for their son. Mm. So the police go and pick up Dee Dee. And she immediately starts telling them about this drug dealer and the mob and how, you know, she didn't kill him. But she saw it happen and that it was, you know, his it was his cousin Cedric, uh, Cedric that had done it. And when they were like, no, fuck you, it was you. yeah, <laughs> She apparently fell down outside of the interrogation room and yelled, it was RJ, which is her teenage son whoa. He was just trying to be a good son and then says that he walked in on Abe strangling his mother and shot him twice to protect her.
0: So just a last last ditch effort lie I guess.
1: Throwing her teenage son under the bus. Yeah. Thankfully it didn't work. So Dee Dee was charged with Abe's murder and you can go and watch parts of her her trial on YouTube, and I strongly suggest you do because it's hilarious and sad all <laughs> at the same time. Excuse me. But um, they go, and the judge had to keep reprimanding her because she was making faces at the jury and at the people that were testifying, like, smiling at them and nodding or giving thumbs up or sad faces. She kept bursting into tears because, like I said, this bitch can cry on a dime.
0: This lady's, like, whoa. She's so
1: fucking crazy. She chose not to speak on her own behalf and whenever she failed to, like, whenever, you know, she was found guilty, she tried blaming it on her lawyers that they didn't do their jobs. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So, yeah, she received a life sentence without a chance of parole. And on top of that, she also got a 25 year sentence for having a gun or like it's some sort of federal law about firing a gun. Huh. Not firing a gun, but like using a gun in a crime.
0: Oh, so she has
1: a life sentence plus 25 years. So she's without the chance of parole.
0: She's just going to live in jail the rest of her life.
1: Thank fucking God. Where she
0: belongs. Yes. Whoa.
1: So that is the disappearance and murder of Abraham Shakespeare.
0: Well, that was a very interesting story.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, like, his family was able to get some of his money back.
0: And this was, like, 2009 or something? This was
1: 2009. This was the height of seeing kids. Wow. I was 19. You were in your senior year of high school.
0: Yeah. <laughs> also right deep in the middle of my scene phase, so
1: This was during my corset phase. <laughs> Especially April of that year. That's all I wore.
0: That was my vest phase. <laughs> I was wearing a uh, lot wearing a lot of vest.
1: <laughs> Wear a lot of vest over the corsets. <laughs> but yeah. So hmm. That's my story. <laughs>
0: that was a story certainly yeah
1: and i didn't do most of it up from notes
0: yeah yeah you just had that going from memory pretty much that was pretty nice
1: thank you i'm trying to get away from notes
0: yeah
1: that i don't wait that way i don't sound like a robot yeah (laughs) because i'm a real girl a real girl Okay, well, we are going to go on a quick break and we will be right back after this. So, we're before we jump into Amanda's story, which I'm excited to hear her story because, like most times, we have not talked about what we're going to be covering, and sometimes that's a good thing, other times it's anxiety ridding. <laughs> yeah,
0: but we like to surprise each other.
1: <laughs> this is true. But before we jump into that, we want to do a couple of recommendations. So, we're actually We did a promo swap with the gals over at Across the Veil, so we're going to play that for you now.
0: Hello, hello, ghouls, ghosts, goblins, and everything in between. Welcome to Across the Veil with hosts Emma and Zelda. We're two amateur cryptozoologists on a mission to explore the things that lie... Beyond. Beyond what? I, I, I don't know. The,
1: the veil? It, it just sounds poetic and mysterious. Yeah, true. <laughs> Learn about cryptids, folklore, monsters, and things that are just kind of haunted. Anything that seems a little otherworldly and strange. Just like us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> New episodes out every Thursday on all of your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at across.the.veil and
1: Twitter at across the veil one We hope you join us next time. Across Across the the Veil. And, you know, we have a couple of just shout-outs of things that we think that you guys should go listen to. So, Amanda, do you have any?
0: Um, as always, you can check out uh, Haunter I Barely Know Her, Zoe and Katie's podcast.
1: We love those haunted spooky bitches.
0: Yes, we love them.
1: So, but if you're wanting something that is not spooky, I would suggest you go listen to Nerd It Through the Grapevine. So, it's where four best friends talk about past, present, and future nerd culture, and it's hilarious, and it really just feels like you're hanging out with friends.
0: Talking about cool nerd stuff, which is, you know, awesome.
1: And choice. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, but if you are still wanting to listen to some spooky stuff, may we suggest the Wicked Spooky Podcast? Ah, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Or if you're still feeling nerd stuff, Amanda, what would you suggest for that?
0: You can always go listen to, uh, Mountaintop Comic Review. Uh, they, you know, review comics and... If you are into that, they also, you know, talk about pop culture and stuff like that, do nerdy things as well, but mainly comics. It's very interesting.
1: And if you're feeling a little creepypasta ish, I would suggest Jar of Repuke. So, which I think I keep pushing this one for you, Amanda, but go frickin' listen because. Ugh. Just. Ugh. The song yeah, is so good.
0: That's one I need to, I've been meaning to, uh, it's on my list.
1: (laughs) Put it at the top.
0: (laughs) My ever-growing list.
1: (laughs) Put it at the top, because it's so good, and they just released a new episode recently, and it's one of those, like, there's enough of them where you could go and just binge and really get into the story, but what I've been doing is whenever a new episode comes out, I listen to the episode before it to get, like, a reset of things, and then I get, like, two and a half hours of content. I read. like to do
0: that whenever I'm reading, um, reading like uh, volumes of comics or just like <laughs> scenes of comics. Like I've been doing that with the Life is Strange comics lately. Every time I get the new one, I reread the previous one just, just to keep it going a little longer.
1: Yes. But no, it's fantastic. It's great storytelling. It's just like I've said before in past episodes, I like a well done thing and this is really well done. Actually, all the podcasts we just mentioned are really well done. Yes. So, go listen
0: to our friends. Pretty much local, mostly.
1: Eh. (laughs) We jumped
0: now. Well, some of them.
1: (laughs) Three of them. But yeah, go listen to our friends, and that would be super awesome. But anyway, this is no longer the Friendship Power Hour. (laughs) (laughs) And it's time for some spooky-ass shit. So, Amanda, please tell me your story.
0: All right, so uh, I am actually going to be talking about our uh, former 16th president, President Lincoln, because I found some interesting things that are a little spooky about him. Um, no, he's not like a reptilian or anything, but
1: mm, <laughs> that, sure? that,
0: that would have been cooler.
1: He was very tall.
0: Yeah, and, and what was he hiding under that hat? Exactly. Secrets. <laughs> a hat of secrets. So...
1: Speaking uh, as someone who does own a top hat, I do keep things under there sometimes when I'm wearing it.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I definitely uh, i I have a top hat laying around somewhere, but I definitely used to keep things underneath it when I was wearing it sometimes as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> They're good for storing things. You
1: know... <laughs> Story suggestions. Fuck 2020 ornaments that you don't want your 10-year-old to find. Nothing,
0: like <laughs> Nothing specific, though. you know. No, never. <laughs> Just general stuff. <laughs> so, uh, most of my research today comes from Wikipedia and from uh, history.com, actually. Ooh. But uh, the first thing I'm going to talk about with old Lincoln is that apparently people have found that there are several really weird coincidences between President Kennedy and President Lincoln that have been circulating for some time and I was unaware of this. Did did you know that there's like a whole list of
1: like? I did but that's because I covered um I covered JFK during our conspiracy theory episode.
0: Oh that's right.
1: So I I did a deep rabbit hole dive and i just decided not to talk about it because i wanted to talk about ufos
0: well perfect then so we get to talk about it now so uh, i just thought it was kind of spooky how some of this stuff like lined up but uh this is a list of coincidences that are commonly associated with the kennedy lincoln conspiracy um and these are the ones that are true statements there's a longer list but some of those have been like debunked or they were kind of like a stretch, but these are the actual truth statements. Um, Both of them were elected to Congress in 46. Lincoln was elected in 1846 from Illinois, and Kennedy was elected in 1946 from Massachusetts. If you don't like the way I pronounced either of those states, you can just
1: uh, deal with it. (laughs) You said it's so much nicer. (laughs)
0: You know. Either way. Diller's choice. So that's the uh, probably least, like, interesting one, just because it's not that surprising that it would line up being, you know, how presidential elections work and all that. Um, But they were both elected to the presidency in 60. Lincoln was elected in 1860, and Kennedy was elected in 1960, both of them happened to have seven letters in their last names, Lincoln and Kennedy. Uh, both were concerned with civil rights. Lincoln felt strongly that all slaves should be freed and issued the Emancipation Proclamation, which legally freed all the slaves. And Kennedy was concerned with racial equality and was the first one to propose that uh, what would be the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Both married in their 30s to women in their 20s. Lincoln was married on November fourth, 1842, and... Lincoln was born on February 12th, 1809, making him 33 years old at the time of his wedding. Uh, Lincoln's bride, Mary Ann Todd, was born on December 13th, 1818, making her 23 years old at the time of the wedding. Kennedy was married on September 12th, 1953, and Kennedy was born on May ninth, 1917, making him 36 years old at the time of his wedding. And Kennedy's bride, Jacqueline, was born on July 28th, 1929, making her 24 years old at the time of the wedding. But this is where it starts to get even weirder. Yes.
1: Are we going to talk about Mary Todd any and her creepiness?
0: Well, I'll get there in a little bit. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, she was a little creepy. (laughs)
1: It's like, okay, I will hold on to that then because yes, hold- we we did mention it slightly in our Halloween episode with Zoe and Katie. Yes,
0: now hold on to that and I'm gonna let you unleash it in a little bit. Yay. Because it is actually gonna fit in fit in, in a minute.
1: <laughs> Perfect.
0: So the stars have a line tonight uh so both of them lost a son while living in the white house lincoln lost his 11 year old son william and kennedy lost his infant son patrick both sons names uh william wallace lincoln and patrick bouvier kennedy have 21 letters each with each having seven letters each first middle and last name which is just interesting in itself Both were shot on a Friday. Lincoln was shot on Good Friday, April 4th, 1865. And Kennedy was shot on Friday, November 22nd, 1963. Okay, yeah. uh, So both of them, of course, were shot in the head. Both were shot in the presence of their wives. Both were assassinated by Southerners. Lincoln was shot by John Wilkes Booth from Maryland. And Kennedy was shot by Lee Harvey Oswald from New Orleans, Louisiana. Both of the president's successors were named Johnson Lincoln was succeed, succeeded by Andrew Johnson, and Kennedy was succeeded by Lyndon B. Johnson. Both were succeeded by Southerners. Andrew Johnson was from Tennessee, and Lyndon B. Johnson was from Texas.
1: Woo, T words.
0: <laughs> Both were born in 08. Andrew Johnson was born eighteen o eight, and Lyndon B. was born nineteen o eight. Um, this is the one that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, I actually didn't know this about, uh, or I had forgotten about it anyway, about Lee Harvey Oswald, but both assassins are known by their three names. Well, not that part, but this part is the interesting part. Each assassin's, uh, full name is composed of 15 letters and Booth ran from the theater and was caught in basically a warehouse and Lee Harvey Oswald ran from what was basically a warehouse and was caught in a theater. Uh, so Booth ran from Ford's Theater, where he shot Lincoln, and was caught in a barn in Virginia. Like a big warehouse a kind of barn, apparently. And Oswald fled from the Texas School Book Depository, which at the time had basically become a warehouse. Uh, where Oswald worked, and was where he had shot Kennedy from, and was arrested in a movie theater. Which is just another really weird coincidence that I thought worthy of sharing.
1: Yeah, like, I knew that Lee Harvey Oswald was caught in the theater, because, but I didn't, I didn't realize that it was just flip-flopped.
0: Yeah, yeah, like, that's, yeah, because people don't really think about that, but then, like, you do, and you're like, wait, that's kind of weird. But, uh, so this is where it gets even weirder. Old Abraham Lincoln, uh, supposedly in the afterlife, old Abe just liked to wander around the White House. Now, there have been lots of stories about, you know, ghost sightings in the White House. The White House is supposed to be quite haunted. No surprise. Uh, But for years after his um, assassination, President's First ladies, guests and members of the White House staff have claimed to either see Lincoln or felt his presence. Also, Lincoln dreamed of his own death.
1: I knew about this one.
0: Yeah, this is just, I was really surprised when I read this because it was kind of creepy and I'm just going to read it kind of verbatim because the way it's written is just, just paints the picture. Uh, Ward Hill Lamone, a close friend of the president's, wrote down what Lincoln told him on an evening in early 1865. Lincoln said, about 10 days ago, I retired very late. I soon began to dream. There seemed to be a deathlike stillness about me. Then I heard subdued sobs, as if a number of people were weeping. I thought I left my bed and wandered downstairs. I arrived at the east room. Before me was... I don't know what that old old school word is. Catafolk? 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 Catafolk. Dingy. Dingy! <laughs> uh... Anyway, so before him was a catafalque on which rested a corpse wrapped in funeral, you know, garb. Around it were stationed soldiers who were acting as guards, and there was a throng of people, some gazing mournfully upon the corpse, whose face covered, others weepingly, pitifully. That sentence doesn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) just read it and I'm like, that doesn't flow
1: well. What is that
0: sentence? After all, I just praise this for being so well written.
1: Sometimes things sound different in your head than they do out loud. Yes. Carry on, friend. You're doing wonderful.
0: (laughs) Around it were stationed soldiers who were acting as guards, and there was a throng of people. Some were gazing mournfully upon the corpse, uh, and the corpse's face was covered. Others were just weeping. Who's dead in the White House, I demanded of one of the soldiers. The president was his answer. He was killed by an assassin. This was not the first time that Lincoln saw his own death, apparently. This one is more terrifying than even him just having this dream. Soon after his election in 1860, he'd seen a double image of his face reflected in a mirror in his Springfield, Illinois home. One was his real face, and the other a pale imitation. This is where Lincoln's superstitious wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, comes in. She did not see the mirror images, but was deeply troubled by her husband's account. Or she was deeply troubled by her husband's account of the incident. She prophesied that the sharper image indicated that he would serve out his first term. The faint, ghost-like image was a sign. She said that he would be. Uh, renominated for a second term, but would not live to complete it. On April 14th, 1865, President Lincoln was shot by a Southern sympathizer, uh, John Wilkes Booth, in the back of the head as he watched Our American Cousin at Ford's Theater. He died at 7.22 the next morning, April 15th, 1865. Liz Carpenter, the press secretary to Lady Bird Johnson, told author John Alexander that Mrs. Johnson believed she'd felt Lincoln's presence one spring evening while watching a television program about his death. She noticed a plaque she'd never seen before hanging over the fireplace. It mentioned Lincoln's importance in that room in some way. Miss Johnson admitted feeling a strange coldness and a decided sense of unease. The ghost of Lincoln was seen frequently during the administration of Franklin D. Roosevelt, When the country went through a devastating depression, then a world war. When Queen Wilhelmina of the Netherlands was a guest at the White House during that period, she was awakened one night by a knock on her bedroom door. Thinking it might be an important message, she got up and opened the door. The top-hatted figure of President Lincoln stood in the hallway. The Queen fainted. When she came to, she was lying on the floor. The apparition had vanished. Eleanor Roosevelt used Lincoln's bedroom as her study although she denied seeing the former president's ghost she admitted that she admitted to feeling his presence whenever she worked late at night she thought he was standing behind her peering over her shoulder so there are apparently a few more stories just hearsay here and there of a ghostly president lincoln wandering the corridors and rooms of the white house Um, they're not officially acknowledged, though. (laughs) Of course, they just kind of were like, what? No, there's no ghost here. We don't have ghosts in the White House.
1: (laughs) This building that's over 100 years old? Yeah, nah.
0: Yeah, no ghost here. Definitely not.
1: The building I work in is over 100 years old, and I guarantee that bitch is haunted. I haven't seen anything, but...
0: We all know about, uh, my fictional ghost story that was based on not such fiction but (laughs) truest of stories if if you haven't heard about that just check out our other podcast episodes
1: (laughs) you can hear hear all about it shameless plugs
0: (laughs) prideful (laughs) plugs
1: pride yes Yes. (laughs) yeah
0: no shame here we don't have shame
1: (laughs) shameless plugs what i said
0: (laughs) we probably need some shame but we don't have it
1: no, I drink while we do this. Amanda <laughs> does not partake, but I'll drink for both of us.
0: Yeah, if I liked alcohol, I probably would partake, but I don't. So you drink one for me. It's all right. It works out.
1: Finished one.
0: <laughs> so uh, I want to hear your random tidbit that you had about uh, Mary Todd. <laughs> Did you have?
1: Well, um, one of the things that. I believe Katie talked about... It might have been Zoe. One of the gals from Haunter, I barely know her, during our Halloween episode. Uh, No, it was Zoe, because we are talking about the Ouija board. Um, So Mary Todd would hold seances in the White House, because she was huge in the spiritualist movement.
0: Okay, yeah, see, I knew she was very, like superstitious and spiritual and all that but uh yeah kind of forgot that tidbit about her just holding whole like whole ass seances in the white house i know right <laughs> like no wonder it's haunted <laughs>
1: it's like bitch open some portals i'm sorry she's not a bitch i don't know why i'm saying that so much today <laughs> i do it's because i've had a lot of caffeine and then i just added alcohol to that bond. that'll do it yeah
0: <sighs> that'll but do yeah, it to no, the old she, filter
1: she would have seances and she was really into the the spiritualist movement And she was just, she was our kind of people. She sounds
0: kind of cool. I probably would have hung out with her.
1: Like, you know, if it wasn't for the whole you know women oppression and like the outfits that they had to wear, I totally would time travel there. Yeah. Yeah. She
0: could time travel here.
1: Yeah. No. (laughs) I have some theories about time travel that I will save for when we pull that from the hat. Just saying.
0: That's gonna be a fun one to pull. I I
1: love time travel. I don't think we have that one in the hat we're gonna put that one in the hat okay well
0: that's going in the hat if it's not in there so
1: and this Cause... is also how the hat works is just me saying random things i mean like that's gonna be a good episode
0: yeah because we need to uh we really need to talk about time travel on this yeah, podcast sometime yeah but that's for another podcast <laughs> episode all right but uh yeah that was it for me
1: that was fascinating i didn't know half of that stuff i knew a few of the things but not as you know with as much as i enjoy history i thought i would have known more about that stuff. i
0: just didn't know about those crazy like macabre dreams he had had and like that's that's scary that (laughs) i would i would have been terrified of myself of my own brain
1: (laughs) it's one of those i think i would like get the glasses where you can see behind you and i just wear them everywhere If I knew I was going to get shot in the head. Oh, I used
0: to have a pair of those. They came with a spy Barbie.
1: (laughs) Of course you did. (laughs) They were fun. (laughs) Okay, well that is the end of our stories. And we've already done the friendship power hour. Yeah. So. So now it's time to do the spiel. Do you want to get your knot hat ready? Yes, let me get my knot hat ready. So, while she is getting her knot hat ready, I am going to go ahead and tell you guys that we have a Patreon now with several tiers on it. So, if you guys like what we do and you want some extra cool, awesome stuff, why don't you go on over to Patreon slash Nightmare Town Podcast and consider maybe joining? And that would be super awesome. But we are not going to cover what the tiers are on this episode. But moving on from that, we'd also like to say that if you have your own stories to tell or ideas for the not Hat, go ahead and hit us up at NightmareTown18 at gmail.com over on Facebook, Instagram, t- Twitter, YouTube, uh, all of the places, Patreon. Uh,
0: <laughs> Just all the places.
1: All the places. They're everywhere. <laughs> if, if you Google Nightmaretown Town Podcast, you can find us, I swear.
0: Yes, you You'll know it's us when you listen.
1: <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But yeah, if you guys have your own ideas, go ahead and do all those things that I just said. And, Manda, what's our next episode?
0: Da, 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 da. Oops, we have encountered an error. <laughs> Let's try that again. That was so anticlimactic.
1: And our next episode is. Okay
0: This literally is giving me an error that says, <laughs> your options might include some nasty words, your options are longer than 20 characters in length, or divine intervention, God does not want you to make this particular decision this way. So, let's say F this random decision maker, <laughs> and let's pick a different one, because that one sucks.
1: Okay. <laughs> Stupid not right. hat. <laughs> Alright, you know what? Damn, just pick map whichever map. one you want. How about that? Fuck divine you know, intervention. I don't tell know. Tell me why what I didn't you want to cover.
0: why I didn't just do this the old fashioned way and just write it on some paper. Uh which I'm actually no, no, going no. to do.
1: I don't Next like that it time. said divine intervention. Just tell me what you want to cover and we're gonna cover it. Not time travel though, because we did just say that one.
0: Let's go with uh, Headshot Ooh, Because I've got some ideas
1: Headshot sent in by Theo
0: Yes Sent in by Theo Thank you Theo for that idea Thank you my darling
1: Alright so our next episode will be called Headshot and we'll get that up when we get it up Stop pressuring me
0: (laughs) We have day jobs
1: (laughs) I do But yeah
0: Until next time,
1: tell us a story. Bye.
0: Bye.